Amen. Well, I'm excited to continue this series a little bit because I felt like I just didn't quite say everything I wanted to say. All right. And so I decided to go ahead and continue this just a little bit. If you're wondering what this series is about or has been about for the last four weeks, it really is about helping people see that if you at some point said yes to Christ, if you at some point gave your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, the Bible would say that you now have been adopted into God's family, all right? And that means you are sons and daughters of your heavenly Father. Now, if you've missed any of those installments, you can go back and you can listen to them. But it's so critical that you understand this because God wants you to be able to relate to him as a heavenly father. And I know for some of us that comes with all kinds of interesting thoughts and even sometimes some baggage. But the Bible doesn't change just because we have a different perspective. It's important we see what the Bible teaches. And over and over and over again in the scriptures, God is revealed to us as Father for a reason. And so he's trying to help us to see that we are sons and daughters of God. And by the very nature of that, I've been invited into God's family. And there are certain benefits, certain inheritance that comes with that. And it's important as a child of God that you know that. Because if you don't know that, experience that in a deep way, you will live in such a way that is not what God's best is for you. And so, like I said, you can go back and listen to some of these messages because I believe it will help you understand what God is really all about. And so I want to just share with you just something from the scriptures, uh, which has become our kind of our series verse, just so you kind of have an idea of what this series has been about. And this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 18. And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so that's the scripture, that's, the God's, that's God speaking to you, and so he wants you to know him in that way. Now, I don't know if you've ever lost anything. Maybe you have before. I assume you have. It seems like everybody's lost something. You know, maybe you've lost, uh, you know, your car keys. You ever lost your car keys? Or and maybe you've turned your house upside down trying to find your car keys. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've lost your credit card. You ever, like, lost your credit card by sticking it in that card reader and forgetting you stuck it in there and walk away and it's just still there? I don't know if you've ever done that. That's like a new thing, you know, to stick it in, you know. Uh, you ever done that? Anybody ever done that? Am I, uh, I've never done it, but I mean, I wouldn't be that ridiculous. <laughs> Some of you are like, hey, trick me. If you lost a penny, you wouldn't care, really, you know? You lost a hundred bucks, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to clean this place out to find that hundred dollars. And so you know what I mean uh, when I say losing something of value. You know, the scripture talks so much about the fact that you are the valuable thing that God has been looking for. Like, it's just so clear in the scriptures. Like, look at this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those, those that were lost. Get that. Like, Jesus Christ came into this world to seek and save that which was lost. And the Bible describes you as that thing. Like you are the lost thing that Jesus has been seeking 
And so scripture very clearly helps us to see what Jesus was all about. From the very beginning, God's plan has been to get his kids home. Ever since the Garden of Eden, perhaps you've heard the story of Adam and Eve and, and some of the things that went on there. And this series has talked about how we lost our father and how we lost our home. And we became basically orphans, spiritual orphans. And God is trying to get us home. And he sent his son for that very reason. And so Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now listen to this. In the book of Hebrews, it goes a step further. Because you have to understand this if you're really going to get to what I'm speaking about today. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, it says, "For God for whom and through whom everything was chosen. Everything was chosen for this reason. And it was chosen to bring many children to glory. Did you see it? Many children to glory. It goes on and says, And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, the perfect leader fit to bring them into salvation. In other words, that Jesus was the guide. He was the perfect leader, and he was giving you a path to salvation. And he was saying, follow me. If you'll follow me, it's going to end in this place. And you've got to understand, I'm leading the way. He is fit to lead that way for us. And God very clearly in Hebrews says to us that he wants to bring many children to glory. And I just, I'll say this in kind of just a, a little different way. God wants to get all of his kids home. He's been about that from the very beginning. Ever since we rebelled and got outside of God's plan, he's been working to bring us back. That has been his redemptive story. That is why he sent Jesus. And Jesus came to make sure that that could happen. Many people getting back. Because see, that was Jesus' mission. He didn't come just to perform miracles. He didn't come just to preach. He didn't come for just those reasons. He came for a very specific reason, and that was to get God's kids home. He had a mission, and guess what? The mission of Jesus is supposed to be our mission too. I don't know if you know that, because sometimes I think we lose sight of that. I think we lose sight of it, and we say, you know, Jesus had a mission, and he did it well. And as a result, I get, I get to be saved, and I get to be with God in eternity, and, and thank you, Jesus, and I'll just sit down here and study my Bible. But it's not that. There's more to it than that. Jesus is asking more of us than just that. Now, we don't work to get God to love us, but we work because God loves us. It's important you see that. There's a difference. Because if you work to get God to love you, you'll end up in a very religious place. But if you work because God loves you, it'll lead you to experience what it means to be adopted as a son or daughter of God. And you'll experience the fullness that God has for you. It's important you see this. Because see, Jesus had a very specific ministry. He had a very specific ministry to the religious people, to the rebellious people. He knew what he was about because he knew 100% he was there to seek and save that which was lost. And our mission, guess what? It's the same mission. Like Jesus' mission is our mission. Like we are supposed to now absorb what he was all about. And that is getting God's kids home to making sure that we take as many po people possible with us as we absolutely can. And it's important we see that we are called to do what Jesus did. We must do what Jesus did if we are going to be followers of Jesus. Listen to this in John chapter 5. 
verse 19 through 20. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. Look at this. He says, he does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Verse 20. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do, look at this, even greater works than healing this man. And so contextually, he was healing a particular man. And he's saying that, the, that, that Jesus is going to do even greater works than this. He says, then you will be truly astonished. Because see, when you see a miracle, you're like, oh, right? You're astonished. And that's what happened. Jesus was doing these kinds of things. And, and, and so Jesus did a lot of things like this. He, he healed the sick. He performed miracles. He, he set the spiritually oppressed free, didn't he? He preached the good news. He called and taught his disciples. So there were a lot of things that Jesus was doing. And then right here in this scripture, it says that God, the Father is going to show him how to do even greater things. And the son is only doing what the father has showed him to do. And so whatever Jesus did on earth is what God the father has been showing his son to do. And so Jesus going to the cross to make a way for you is exactly what the father was all about. Because he wants to get his kids home. That's what it's all about. But what of these greater things? Like, look at that. What of these greater works? You know, I mean, I just talked about Jesus doing some works, right? He did miracles. He did this. He did that. That's pretty significant. Like, when you see those things, you're pretty astonished. But God goes on to say that he's going to do even greater things. Then watch this. Because you would say, okay, well, that's his son. That's, you know, the father, the son. Of course, Jesus does greater things because he's Jesus. Makes sense. But watch this. In John 14, fast forward a little bit into the book, John 14, 12, listen to these words. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works. All right, stop. That baseline is pretty significant. To do the same works as Jesus, right? I mean, I mentioned that. He did miracles. He, did, he healed the sick. He set the oppressed free. He preached the good news. He called the disciples. He trained the disciples. And those 12 disciples changed the world. That's the baseline. Get this. So, so he says, if you believe in me, anyone who did, I looked that word up and anyone means anyone. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works. Get that. Well, then he makes it even better. He says, they'll do the same works I've done and even greater works. So, so here's the baseline. And he says, you'll do even greater works. When I leave to go be with my father, because the result of him leaving to go be with his father means that he sends the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, down to this earth to empower us to overcome sin and to be able to uh, uh, be empowered for the work that he's called us to do. 
That's what's happening. So when he says greater works, he really means it. He really means that you could do greater works. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of messes me up a little bit. Because in our life, we say, well, you know, I don't see that. And so we base the power on God based on what we see. That seems kind of weird to me. Because last time I checked, what I see doesn't necessarily determine what God is all about or what God is doing. Because see, in faith, I believe that God can do these things. Now, I don't know if you believe that, but the Bible clearly says that if you believe, God will do greater things. If you, anyone who believes in me, not super spiritual, not religious, no, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works. I don't know about you, but I want to see that. Don't you want to see that? Don't you want to see greater works? I don't know about you. I want to be able to pray over people and then be healed instantaneously. Wouldn't that be cool? I just think that would be amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing to pray over someone who's strung out on some kind of drug and you pray over them and that addiction falls off of them like that? I just think that would be amazing. So why don't we believe God for that? Why not? Like, what is it? Like, we feel like if we, I know what it is. It's because we don't believe God can do it. I, I know. You're like, well, that's so simple, pastor. But isn't it? Like, if I just said, you know, God, I believe. I believe. I believe you can do it. Matter of fact, I'm about to pray it, and I'm not going to pray it expecting my power to do something about it. Because I think sometimes we don't pray bold prayers because if they don't come true, we feel like it reflects on us. And it don't reflect on you. It reflects on God. And God's going to do what God's going to do. But at the end of the day, he tells us to pray. I want to see greater things. I want to see that happen in our church. I want to see that happen in my life. And in little things, I want to be like, cold, gone in Jesus' name. Sinuses, gone in Jesus' name. Not like get rid of my sinuses, but <laughs> heal those things, right? I want to see God move, don't you? And that's, that's what Jesus is telling us. We've got to do it exactly what Jesus was about and what he was doing. And he did greater things. And I want to do greater things. I want to be about what Jesus is about. And the thing that Jesus was about for sure was getting God's kids home. See, Jesus, the Son, loved the Father. He loved the Father. That's what clearly John says. He did everything the Father told him to do. And so Jesus loved the Father. And so the love of the Father, is, is, it, it compels us to love, just like Jesus. The love of the Father compels us. And so that's why we have to experience it. Like, you can't just know God loves you. You also have to encounter it. You have to experience the love of God in a very deep way that it begins to change you and inform every decision you ever make. And I think sometimes we know the right things to say, but we haven't entered into that kind of relationship that we know exactly how God feels about us. Let me say that again. You may know God and you may know all the right things about God, but you've never fully experienced what it feels like to be loved by the Father. Because God wants you to experience that. And the moment you do, 
it begins to change everything. It compels you. Did you know it? Like when you, when you experience that kind of love, you want to share it with other people. You're not afraid. You're just like, let me tell you about this. And I know most people I've met, unless they're really off, if you say, I love you, they're not like going to get mad at you. Now, some people may go, oh, that's creepy and weird. <laughs> but love is not necessary. Love should not be scary. Right? I mean, it shouldn't be weird. And so, 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 so my love for the world, my love for people, like, is compelled by, it's compelled by the experience I have with my father. And the more I spend time with my father, the more I'm going to love him and I'm going to love people. Because, see, that's what Jesus says. Because I think sometimes we're really good at loving God. <laughs> but we're not real good at loving people. See, because he says, he says, Jesus says it in, in, in Matthew 22. He says, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And you're like, check, got that. Then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment, right? So you got it. Oh, God, I got the first one. 39 and second is equally important. Uh-oh. Love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Some of you are not loving your neighbor as yourself. Come on. I got a neighbor that has a rooster. You're not supposed to have a rooster where I live. I have a hard time at 5 o'clock in the morning when that rooster, and this rooster's stupid. I'm telling you, he's dumb. He, he clucks or crows or whatever a rooster does at 5 a.m. He's like, at noon, he's like, I'm a rooster. At night, he's roostering. And I, I'm just telling you, it, it has been hard for me to love my neighbor. I've thought about poisoning the rooster. We can cut this out, can't we? I've got people in this church that have guns. You know what I'm talking about. You get what I'm saying. But, you know, you get to that ledge, and the moment you want to kill the rooster, you say, you know what? I'm not going to kill the rooster because, you know, God loved me and I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Right? There's a point at which you just say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because I want to love people the way that God has loved me. And even when I was crowing like a rooster, God still showed up. Even when I was messed up, he still showed up. It's hard though. God's love compels me to love Him and to love other people. How about this? Jesus, the Son, shared the good news of the Father's rescue plan with us, didn't He? See, the love of the Father showers on us. As we are showered with this love, it compels us to tell everybody we possibly can. It compels us to share what's happened in our life. It's like, it, I'm not compelled because I have to. I'm compelled because of what He's done for me. 
And so I share because of what God has done for me. Do you know what I'm saying? Because here's the thing you have to see. And this is the thing we forget because sometimes we're so busy with our lives. We're so busy with being Christians that we forget that Jesus was about something. Not just saving you. And even though you're important because Jesus came to save you, to bring you into the family, to make you a son or daughter, those are all true things. But it wasn't just about that. It was about once you get it, you make sure you give it. Once you get it, you start to share it with everybody you can. And so much in our lives, we get so focused on the things in front of us. We get so focused on our work and our jobs and our families and our relationships that we forget that we have a purpose in this life. That we literally have a very specific purpose. Your calling is to do this. Now, I know you may be working in this area vocationally. You have this job and this job and this job, and I get it. All of those things are important, but they should never take precedent over your mission. Jesus had a mission, and his mission is my mission. And wherever I go, whatever I do, I need to be motivated by the love of God to share with everybody I possibly can the good news of Jesus. I need to be that person in order to be all that God wants me to be. And here's the reason why, is that heaven and hell are realities. And sometimes we forget that. And someday people will spend eternity with God or separated from God. And I don't know about you, but I have a heart to see as many people as I possibly can get there with me. Even your neighbor with the rooster. <laughs> Even that person at work in the cubicle that you don't like. God never asked you to like them. He just simply asked you to love them. And the way you love them is you share what Jesus has done for you. Because look, here's the deal. A lot of times the reason we're afraid to share, and, and this is it, is it, we're kind of concerned about what they're going to do with it or how they're going to react, you know? Like they say that like at family gatherings, right? It's like, don't ever talk about politics and religion, which I think is kind of weird. It's like, if you can't talk about those things at family, where can you talk about it? You know? I mean, that's supposed to be a safe place. <laughs> Apparently not. But, 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 but my point is, is that we get in this place where we think we've got to, you know, walk in and be like, hey, everybody, let me tell you about Jesus. And if you don't get it right, you're going to burn in hell. Come on. Well, of course they don't want to listen to you because you're starting with the bad news. Why don't you start with the good news? The good news is, is they were created in the image of God. That's what the Bible says. They were created in the image of God. Bad news is we messed that up. That's for sure. Good news is Jesus came so that we could be saved. And so I can, I can tell you this. I'm telling you this is the truth. If you just simply share what God has done in your life with people, they're not going to be offended at you. You don't even have to say you need to. Uh -uh. Just say this is what God has done in my life. Can I tell you? And I, I, if you get like, if you get lambasted for that, you know, or somebody like goes off on you for sharing like what God's done in your life, you let me know. I'm just telling you, it's probably not going to happen unless they're off the rocker. It's just true. 
And so we are called to and compelled to share God's love with everybody we can. And I want to do it. I, I want to share. Why? Because I care. Because see, sharing is caring. When I care, I will share. And I know that's clever and kind of fun and playful, and you can take that with you and put it in your pocket. But here's the thing. What's the converse of that? What is it? it it's if I don't care, I won't share. Now, Pastor, are you saying that I don't care about people? Look, I'm not saying nothing. What I am saying is how you answer that tells you something. That has nothing to do with me. Because if I care about people, if I care about people's eternity, if I care about whether or not they find a love relationship with God, if I care, I would share it, wouldn't I? I mean, if you had the answer, wouldn't you tell somebody? I mean, right? If the ship was going down, wouldn't you be like, hey, y'all, I got a lifeboat over here. You wouldn't be like, I'll keep it to myself. Well, if you would, you, you're not very nice. <laughs> and so sharing is caring, isn't it? It's like, I, I care about people. So here, number one, I'm just going to talk just briefly about this. Number one is I got to open my mouth. I've got to open my mouth. And I know that sometimes we're like, well, if I just live a good Christian life, people will see it in me. I, I think that's true. But there's more to it than that. You just can't bank on your behavior. you got to look at your mouth. you got to say, I'm going to give them this. I'm going to open my mouth. Because see here, look, look, Romans 10, 14 through 15. Paul's writing to the church in Rome and he says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never have heard about him? Get it? And he goes on, he says, And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? That just seems pretty clear to me. And then he goes on and he says, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You're there to bring good news. You're there to open your mouth so that people can know the story of God. That's what it's about. I've got to open my mouth. And you can't just put it off and say, you know what? Maybe if I deliver just right, I'll be all, they'll, they'll, they'll get it. Well, they might get some of it, but you kind of have to fill in the blanks sometimes, don't you? And one of the best ways you can do that is simply to share your story of how God has affected your life. God wants to hear, or people want to hear what God is doing. And you know, God was so committed. Jesus was so committed to finding the lost. That was what he was all about, seeking and saving the lost. And he wants us to find them. And here's the thing I say to you. If you have no unchurched friends, you need to get some. <laughs> right? You do. Because how do you share the gospel if all your friends are Christians? That don't make no sense. That's country language right there. That don't make no sense. You got to have some friends that are not believers. Now, and I'm not saying you got to go out there and tie one on, you know. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you got to love people where they are. And there are lots of people around you that don't believe in God. Even though we live in this kind of Christian bubble sometimes, the Bible says we've got to have some friends that don't know God so that we can share and we've got to invest in those relationships. So we got to open our mouth. Number two is we got to bring as many as we can. Isn't that what Hebrews say? 
Hebrews 2.10 says, God for whom and through whom everything was made chose to bring many children into glory. See it? Bring many children into glory. Not just, hey, come to my church. It's bring them. You know? Like you invite them and say, hey, I'll come over and pick you up. I'm going to bring you to church. Because isn't it the scariest thing in the world to walk into a church for the first time? Like, I mean, it is. is. You know, one of the ways you can help people, you go with them. So just bring them. We got to be committed to bringing many people to glory. You know, and as a church, we have these cards around here, and there's many of them at the information desk. Just go grab you a stack. There's these cards we give to you so that you can share this with people. So you can say, hey, come to my church, or hey, God loves you. You know, whatever. Just give them the card. And I promise you, it'll, it'll, it'll plant a seed that God at some point, I believe in faith, God at some point will do something with. You never know when someone has a bad day. Right? You never know when someone's life's going to fall apart. And you know what's going to be in the back of their mind? You know, there's that, that real nice lady. Or there's that real nice man that gave me that little card. Hmm. Maybe I should look them up. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. Just plant the seeds. So we have to learn to not only, not only uh, 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 open our mouths, but we also have to make sure that we're sharing as much as we can because, see, Jesus was on mission, and he wants this family on mission. All right, now I'm going to shift for a second from, from just kind of this discussion because I think it's important you see your part in getting kids home and God saying, hey, not only do you need to be saved, but you need to be a part about, about what I'm about, which is getting God's kids home. And I want to shift a little bit because we do that, we do that individually as followers of, Je- of Jesus, but we also do that collectively. Like as a church, we do that. And so it's important that as a church, we're doing certain things. And so we know that the mission of God tells us that we should be doing that locally, we should be doing that nationally, and that we should be doing that internationally. And so the scripture is very clear about that. So I don't care how big your church is, little, big, medium, you are called, the church is called to have an impact in the mission of God, both locally, nationally, and internationally, okay? And so as a church, we are committed to that. And so I just share just a few things with you today because I believe God is up to some really amazing things. And I just want you to be aware of them. Now, as a church, we do a lot locally, but I want to share something with you today that I think is really kind of a fun thing that we're doing in October. And so we have these partnerships with some local elementary schools here in town. And uh, so Brennanwood Elementary and then Murphy Elementary in the Northwest School District. And, uh, and so in October, we're going to put on a free movie night. And so what we're doing is we're, we're going to rent out two different theaters, right? We're going we're gonna to rent out all of the seats, pay for them, and we're going to give out free tickets to the elementary school, okay? A lot of these families never get to go to the movie. They just don't, you know? And we've even had people tell us they have never been to the movie together as a family ever. I mean, it's just powerful stuff. It's just fun. And, and, and so it's, it's happening October 19th. And you're thinking, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, can, can you show up and smile? That's not real hard, right? And so I just want to invite you. Locally, we're making an impact. We're planting seeds in these families' lives because we want to make sure that there's a nice smell, <laughs> there's a good fragrance in people's nostrils about Jesus. And one of the ways we do that is by loving our community. And by helping people. And they'll say, well, is there any charge? No, it's, it's yours. Popcorn, candy, have, have a great time. We love you. Well, why are you guys doing that? Because Jesus loves us. And we just want to love you. Yeah, you know, 
And then it's simple, but it's just a way for us to love people locally. And I just encourage you, if you're not, if you're not doing anything, October 19th, show up and just welcome people. Be like, hey, we're so glad you're here. God bless you. Can you do that? Can you do that? You guys can do that. And so we're making a difference locally because Jesus tells us to do it. We want to be about our father's business and our father's business is getting kids home. But nationally, we're also doing stuff. You know, as a church, we are all about church planning. You know why? Because we were a church plant. We want to see other churches plant. We support an organization called ARC to plant churches. My wife and I are a part of something called the Next Level Relational Network. And underneath that, there is what's called brotherhood and sisterhood, all right? And so she's in the sisterhood side, and I'm in the brotherhood side of it. And it's just a great way for us to connect with other pastors and network with other pastors. And it's just been really, really life-giving. But through that, we've met so many new pastors and people that are planting churches all over the country. And, uh, and I want to share with you something today. Uh, there is a pastor named Pastor Ray in Corpus Christi, Texas. Last Sunday, they planted, they launched uh, a church called Resolute Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. I was on the phone with them. Well, not a phone. It was like a video, a video screen. I'm old, guys. The phone. It was a video screen. And we were a bunch of pastors on the video screen, and we were just talking. And and Pastor Ray says, you know, guys, I'm really excited about this launch, but, man, we have a 12-foot trailer. You ever tried to plant a church in a 12-foot trailer? You can't. I'm just telling you, there's too much stuff. And, uh, and I'm sitting here listening to him talk. I'm like, we fix that. Like, we fix that. Because I got a 26-foot trailer sitting out here. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, we could do something here. And so my point is, is that nationally we're making a difference. Because just this past week, Pastor Ray flew up here. And you know why he flew up here? To pick up a trailer in a Tahoe so that he could then go and do the work. Your church is planting seeds in the lives of other people down in Corpus Christi, Texas, because we believe in the kingdom of God advancing. We want to see that happen. And matter of fact, he took a bunch of gear that was in the trailer. I mean, he got what he needed, and now they're not going to have to make three different stops. Like, they literally had to go back three different times to get all their gear, and now they'll do it in one. Come on! You, you can't imagine what their people are thinking. They're doing the happy dance. I'm telling you, they're doing the happy dance. Because we were portable for eight years, friends. And it is a lot to roll in and roll out every Sunday, every Sunday. I mean, I'm just telling you. But I wanted to share with you, Pastor Ray shot a little video for us uh, to kind of say thank you. So watch this screens real quick. Hello, Elevation Church. This is Pastor Ray Hodges. Uh from Corpus Christi, Texas, uh, on behalf of Resolute Church in Corpus Christi, we just want to say a big thank you to uh, your congregation uh, and to Pastor Daniel. We just want to say thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, from my understanding is that uh, this uh, particular uh, beast of a trailer and truck uh, served you guys well in your church planting journey. And so now it's going to have new life uh, down in Corpus Christi. And so uh, I just want to thank you so much for blessing us with uh, uh, this, uh, the ability to do portable church, just like the way you guys did. Uh, and so we're just eager to get started and to, to join the fight for the uh, kingdom's sake. 
and uh, not only that, but get rolling to the point where uh, we can join in and partner uh, with what Elevation is doing in St. Louis and also uh, in missions around the world. We can't wait to join you. So if you would pray for us, we're praying for you. You got brothers and sisters in Corpus Christi. Anytime uh, you guys want to come down uh, and, uh, and and reminisce with your old trailer, if you want to help me unload, you can do that too. Uh, but I just want to say thank you so much for your generosity. It's making a difference uh, in South Texas. So thank you guys. We love you so much. Woo! Come on. Give the Lord praise. God is good. Guys, we are making a difference locally. We're making a difference nationally, and we're going to continue to do that. We give money monthly to an organization called ARC, which is all about planting churches. I mean, they have no administrative overhead. Every dollar you give plants churches in the United States. I mean, we are making a difference. But I want to share with you one more thing. And so internationally, I want to share just one more thing with you. Uh, recently, I was in El Salvador. I uh, went down there to put on a pastor's conference. Uh, and because my heart is to invest in pastors, because I believe we can change uh, the numbers and move the dials better when we invest in the leadership, because then the leadership is better equipped, and then they can go and do the work locally. And so these are just some pictures of my trip. That's paella. Come on. Yummy. And uh, for some of you like didn't know that El Salvador was by an ocean, that was it. And Because uh, I know some of you are geographically challenged. I get it. These are just a few pictures of, uh, of our time there. And uh, uh, God was doing some amazing work uh, with pastors and their wives. And, and uh, we were so blessed to have uh, Joyce Meyer Ministry. They, uh, they donated books of hers in Spanish. And uh, we were able to bless people with those. And this is the city of San Salvador from up on a volcano. That's Carl, everybody. <laughs> yep, that's Carl. Everybody loves Carl. And, uh, and so those are Spanish books there. And, and, uh, that, that, and that's uh, Pastor Josh, who Pastor Josh is the pastor at Faith Community out in House Springs. And, uh, and there's Ben. Look at Ben. Hey. And... Uh, uh, and so, so Pastor Josh came in with us, and so as our two churches joined up to put this pastor conference on, and, and you know, it was such an amazing experience, but, but I want to dig in just a little bit more, because I had the chance to talk more with uh, Janice Watkins, and she's the missionary down there in El Salvador. Her ministry is called Abigail Association, and, and they're doing some amazing work in El Salvador. And she was the one that helped us put this conference on and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, but as I listened to her talk, there were just some things that started to capture my heart. There is some stuff happening down there that is so exciting, and, and I want our church to be a part of it. I want us to be able to invest in a, in a powerful way down there. Because she starts telling these stories. She, she, so she... You may or may not know this, but down in El Salvador, they have a gang problem. MS-13, MS-18 gangs, it's, it's, a, it's a really devastating thing. And in District 5 and 6 is predominantly where the gangs are. And, and so Janice was telling us about some of the work they've done. And what they've done in the past is they would go into those districts and they would create a makeshift clinic. And matter of fact, Hand of Hope, which is the international ministry of Joyce Meyer Ministries, they would send people down there to, to, you know, like doctors and nurses and people that can actually do some of the work. 
But, but they would come and they would be a part of this makeshift clinic right in the middle of these districts, right? And they would do amazing work. And you would hear all these stories of people getting saved. And the thing you have to see about that is that that meant that certain gang members were also getting saved. And I was listening to Pastor Romeo, who is also a doctor, who is a part of this. He's one of the doctors at the clinic, uh, you know, in this makeshift clinic. And he was telling the story about how, like, this gang member comes in, and he's talking about how his ribs are broke, and, or, you know, that he's in pain, and he doesn't know if they're broke, but he's like, I'm, in, I'm hurting, because apparently he'd gotten beat up by somebody or whatever. And, and so he lifts up his shirt, and Pastor Romeo's telling this story, and he's got this big gun you know, in his belt loop or whatever. And, and, and Pastor Romeo's sitting there like examining him, going like this, okay, I, I don't see that, you know, right? Because what are you going to do? Hey, you need to take that away. <laughs> like, he'll probably kill you. So he, he's just like examining him or whatever, helps the guy. His family is there, his kid's there. They leave. They come back like a day later or something. And when they come back, because they experience that kind of love, that gang member gave his life to Jesus. Like, that's what's really cool. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing that's really amazing. In the MS-13, MS-18 gangs, it's blood in, blood out. You can't get out without dying, okay? You're not getting out of the gang. But here's something that's really cool that's happening. So, somehow, I don't even, hold on. I know how. The gangs are allowing gang members to get out of the gang if they get saved. If they give their life to Christ. Now, even if they're Catholic, they can't get out. Because down there, culturally, everybody's Catholic. But if they convert to Christ, they actually can get out of the gang. Think about this. Think about this. Now, they're committed. I'm telling you. Like, the gang members would literally follow someone when they've been saved, they will follow them for like five years to verify that they're actually believers. We're going to set that up in our church, all right? <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? They will follow them to make sure. But the only way they get out is Jesus Christ. I'm a, I'm a preacher, guys. I see opportunity. I see a nation with gang members. And I think to myself, imagine if we could do something there. And so this mayor says to Janice, hey, Janice, I've got some land and I'm willing to donate it if you'll do something for the community. Well, they've already been doing stuff for the community. They've been doing this clinic. And so Janice, being the missionary that she is, she's already got some ideas. And so she, matter of fact, has some drawings. And so listen, look, these are some of the drawings. These are the land that the, the, that the mayor is willing to donate. That's the land. And then here are some pictures of the clinic that Janice has already had drawn up. Look at the three-dimensional one. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? And so, so you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, that's great. Well, as I'm listening to Janice, I'm like, I got to do something with this. And so I asked, I asked Janice, I said, Janice, how much does something like that cost? She says, oh, we, I bet we could do it for $100,000. I'm like, I, I can't even get in the door for $100,000 in America. But I can build a whole clinic in El Salvador for $100,000? Pastor 
Josh out at Faith Community and myself, we started to pray and ask the Lord, and we just both said, you know what, let's go halvesies on this deal. Faith Community, you guys give 50. Elevation's going to give 50 so that we can build this clinic. Now, I believe that it's going to get done. And I want to share with you today what your church is up to. Because wouldn't it be amazing to plant a clinic right in the middle of this gang-infested territory so that we could pull people out of the pit? Come on. I just think that would be amazing. And so, I got to be done because I'm just, I'll get wound up on this. But I just want to share with you. I'm not going to ask you for any money today. I want you to pray about what God is telling you to do. And so what's going to happen? I'm going to, like I'm talking about it today, I'm bringing, we're going to bring Janice in in November. We're going to have her come and share a little bit more with us. But then in December, we have three Christmas Eve services. And at those services, all of the money that comes in at those three Christmas Eve services through the offering will go to build this clinic. And I believe in faith that we're going to have the money we need and more than enough and that this is going to get done. Can you imagine next year starting a a clinic that's going to help people with their health, but then we're going to start to see gang members freed. We're going to start to see families, generational things that they're in bondage to is going to be broken off of their lives. Oh, (laughs) it's going to be good. I hope you're excited about that as well and that just keep looking for more information about it because I believe God is going to do something great through it. And I do want to say one thing to you. Do not divert your tithe to this event, to the building of this clinic because I don't want you to miss the blessing of God because the blessing of God is attached to the tithe. Make sure the tithe gets to the house and you pray and ask God to do whatever sacrificial offering you want to do over and above that you do that, all right? Because we still got to pay the bills. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes people are like, here, I'll just take my tithe and throw it over here. Well, there's two problems with that. We need to pay the bills. And the other problem is, is that you're missing the blessing. Because God says he'll bless you if you'll do it, if you tithe. Does that make sense? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and watch my messages called Blessed or Blessed Life or any of that stuff, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. All right, let me pray for us. Lord, I'm so grateful for each person in this room. I know that you're working in each one of their lives and I'm excited to see what you're going to do. But Lord, we know 100% that we can't do it without you. That you're our father and we are your children and we need you in our lives. And God, I know that there are some in this room that maybe don't know that. They've never given their life to Jesus. They've never taken that step. They've never walked across the line. And so their inheritance is not in you. Their identity as sons or daughters are not in you. And perhaps you're here today and that's you and you want to make that right. I believe that God wants to meet you here. I'm not going to do a song and dance. I'm just simply going to ask you this question. Do you know God as your father? And do you know his son, Jesus Christ? Because the Bible says that he came to save you, set you free, and give you everything you need. And so, just as a statement, as a way of expressing your desire, I want to ask you in just a moment as I count to three, I want to ask you to raise your hand just to say, I want to be prayed for. Because I want to pray for you today so that you can settle that matter. Because I believe God wants to help you settle it today. 
I'm not going to point you out or do anything like that, but I do want to give you that opportunity. And so right now on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand just as a sign of your desire to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. On the count of three, one, two, three. Go ahead. Just lift your hand up if that's you. God bless you, sir. Good. Anybody else today? Go ahead and take that step. All right. You can put your hands down. Church, we're all going to pray together. All of us praying together. Nobody's going to pray alone in here. And I'd like for you to repeat this prayer after me, especially if you, if you uh, raised your hand. But just simply say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be Lord of my life? I surrender to you today. Will you change me today? Transform me today. I love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? It's so good. So good.